again, it's good to have everyone out uh, this morning for our uh, Bible, Bible class and for our worship to God. We're truly grateful for our uh, visitors this morning. Uh, we finally get to see what it looks like to have a packed house, and, and so we're truly grateful uh, for y'all being here and taking the time to be with us. Uh, this morning, we're going to take a, uh, start a series on the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, when I originally started, uh, I was just going to do the Beatitudes, and then start getting in there, and two verses turned into a sermon, so uh, we're going to start it this week. Part one is going to be preparation, the preparation. As Sean had read for us this morning in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And so this is often referred to uh, chapter 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. It's often, often referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And so Jesus saw the amount of people who came to listen to him on that day. And so what did he do? He went higher so that they could all hear and see him. Today, preachers stand before the congregation as the listeners are seated. We also have the luxury of sound equipment to amplify our voices so all in attendance can hear what's being preached or proclaimed. And then notice he was set. How is worship service to be conducted? When Paul is dealing with the Corinthians, and, and in chapter 12, 13, and 14, he's dealing with spiritual gifts. And in chapter 14, it was the uh, abuse of those spiritual gifts. And so they were wanting to all speak in tongues at the same time or, or give prophecy at the same time. And so Paul's dealing with them there, and he says, let all things be done decently and in order. And so our worship sort of service should be done decently and in order. Well, why, is, why do we do such things? Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. And so he even talks about in that chapter, if a, a stranger was to come in and you're all speaking in other tongues, they will think you are what? Mad. And so God is not the author of confusion. He wants things to be done decently in order so that the message can be declared and be understood. And so we have a set time we, we meet at a set location. Our order, order of worship is set, and we do not combine uh, acts of worship, but they're separate. And so we are here today meeting at, at our set time and our set location. And then we, the saints, that is the congregation, comes to the set location at the set time, and we participate in the worship in that set order. Verse 2 of our text. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. And so he opened his mouth and taught. These were not idle words. They had a purpose to the audience there at that time, and they hold the same purpose for us today. When a Bible class teacher or a gospel preacher stands before the multitudes, it should be to teach. The words taught are to have a purpose, and what is that purpose? When we come speaking, what are we to speak as? In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do, as it, do it as of the ability which God giveth, 
that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. And so the speaker is a representative of God. That word oracle comes from the Greek word, and I, I'm going to steal from Jimmy. He always says I'm stealing this from Greg. Well, I'm going to steal this from Jimmy. I tried to put the pronunciation, even though that was not my strong uh, suit in school. But it comes from the Greek word logion. It means utterance of God, an oracle. And so when we're speaking, it's not that we're being moved uh, miraculously, but we are through the teachings of the word of God, we are presenting a lesson. And so if we present it in such a way that it has harmony with work, the God, uh, word of God, then we are a representative of God. But it has to line up with the word of God. And if it does then God will get the glory from what is being spoke or taught. Preachers are also known as ministers, uh, but truly we are all to be ministers of Christ. Uh, notice God gives each one their own ability, and so some may be better speakers, some may be better teachers. That's okay. It's if they are using the abilities given for God. It is not important who says it, but what is important is what is spoken, what is said. Because again, you're you're representing the word of God when you get before the audience. And so what is to be said? In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, when Paul's writing to the church of Corinth, he says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And so, who has the Spirit of God? In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, Paul writes to the church of Rome, There is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. So it's very important that you're in the right location who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And so those that are in Christ Jesus are not to walk after the flesh, but we are to walk after the Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, verse 14, for as many that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so if we're walking in the spirit, or if we're being led by the teachings of the Spirit, the Holy Word, then we are truly the children of God. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and 27, Paul writing to the churches there in the area of Galatia, he says, For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And so being led by the Spirit is the same as having faith. Uh, here it said they were the children of God when they were led by the Spirit of God. Here it says it's by our faith that we are children of God. And then we see how we how one is to get into Christ, and that's through baptism. And so how do we receive faith? We, we say it almost every time we meet because we offer that invitation. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, So that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The only way to be led by the Spirit is through the Word of God, through the teachings of the Holy Spirit. Paul told the Romans they received the Spirit of God. This was through the teaching of Paul and their obedience to it. 
or those other gospel preachers in that area. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. Now look what the gospel, what they, they, they were to do with the gospel, unto which also you received, they believed it, wherein you stand, they obeyed it, by which also you are saved, if, so this tells me here that I can become lost again. If you keep in memory what I have preached on you, unless you have believed in vain. Why keep it in memory? Because as he taught what the Holy Spirit teaches, the only way to remain saved is to continue in those teachings. In Galatians chapter 5 verse 16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so we are to constantly be in the word of God so that we put good things in our mind and we put the evil out. And so just walking in the spirit, that is just continuing in those teachings of the word of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And so if you are a, a fleshly person, then you're not going to be pleasing to God. How do we please God? The writer of the book of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. In order for us to please God, we have to have faith, and the only way our faith comes is through the word of God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. Well, how do we know how he's going to reward us? It's through the word of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And so we have to have the Spirit of God dwelling in us. Well, what does it mean, let the Spirit of God dwell in you? In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, when Paul's running to the church there at Ephesus, And be not drunk with wine wherein it is, wherein it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Well, when we go to the twin passage of this in Colossians, how are we going to be filled with the Spirit? In Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you. That's how we're going to be filled with the Spirit, richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So you see how the word of God harmonizes if used correctly. And this is how one is to speak as the oracles of God. Ezra chapter 7 verse 6. This Ezra went up from Babylon and he was a ready scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. And the king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord and his God upon him. And so we're going to see uh, Ezra, how he's going to deliver a message to the people in that day and time. And that message was the law of Moses that was given by God. That word ready there comes from the Hebrew word mahir. It means quick, hence, skillful, diligent, hasty, ready. And so he was skillful. Ezra was skillful. And he was ready. This word scribe there comes from the 
Hebrew word sahar, and it means to score with a mark as tally, as a tally or record, uh, i.e. by implication to inscribe, and also to enumerate intensely to recount, i.e. celebration, celebrate, commune, account, count, declare, number, pen knife, reckon, scribe, show for, speak, talk, tell out, or a writer. And so the, the scribes were those that would write the law of Moses. They were in uh, charge of making sure that it was being recorded. And that was so that was his duty giving to him. Well, why was he skillful? Was it miraculous? In Ezra chapter 7, verse 10, for Ezra had prepared his heart. He made preparation to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel's statutes and judgments. And so we can see that he was, it was preparation. And how are we to prepare, to, uh, prepare today? Will it come to us miraculously? Now, in the first century, they were given miraculous faith, miraculous knowledge. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Paul writing to the young preacher Timothy, he says, Study to show thyself approved on the God. A workman needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so we are told to study ourselves the word of truth, the word of God. And so it, it takes self-study to be prepared. And then notice he, seek, he sought the law of Moses. And so we are to seek. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, as newborn babes desire, they, they hunger for it. They seek the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And then you must be a doer. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul is speaking there and he says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Well, why do you do this, Paul? Why do you make corrections in your own life? Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. And so Ezra was a doer of the law. He wasn't going to be a hypocrite about it. He wasn't going to tell you what you needed to do and then he was going to live some other way. And then he was going to teach the law. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, when Jesus is, is giving that great commission there, and he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. Well, it didn't stop there. He continues to say, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even into the end of the world. And so even obedience to the gospel, we can see that there's further learning. And so the law of Christ, uh, the judgment, remember he, he, he was, uh, Ezra was going to teach on the law of Moses and the judgments. In Acts chapter 24, verse 24 and 25, Paul, uh, when he is going before uh, Felix, and after certain days when Felix came with his wife Priscilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning what? The faith in Christ. So he wanted to hear the law. The law of Christ. And as he reasoned, as Paul reasoned with Felix, of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. But we can see here Paul was teaching him the law of Christ. He was 
Through that, he was going to be teaching him righteousness, what God expected. Temperance was self-control. It was repentance. And then the judgment to come. Well, why are you going to do these things? Because there's going to be a day when we will be judged by the word of God. And so how are we going to put all these things that Ezra said he had prepared himself for to work? In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And so we gather ourselves together as one. We congregate. We come together in one place. And what is our desire when we come? Our desire is to worship God, but it's also to hear the word of God. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 2, And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and that all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And so we can see that men and women, and more than likely those children of that age of accountability, the ones that can understand right from wrong, they came to to hear the word of the Lord being spoken. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 3, And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And so usually when we see they arose early in the morning, they usually left at daylight. So we don't really know at what time he started speaking, but if, if he read for about six hours, we notice that the people were attentive for those, those hours that the law was being read, and so they weren't distracted. They weren't distracted with what they were going to do when they, when they finished hearing the law. They weren't distracted with their phones and and and, stu and such. We can easily become distracted, but our our focus should always be on the Lord, and that's why before we partake of the Lord's Supper, we we read that 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 scripture dealing with His death, so we don't ever lose focus on what He gave for us. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 4, And Ezra described stood upon a pulpit of wood. And so, I'm, no doubt, I'm sure that's how the, this got the, the name pulpit. Which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood, and I apologize, I will probably say most of these wrong, but I'm going to give my, my effort. Matthiah and Shema and Ananiah and Urijah and Hilkiah and Maaseah and on his right hand and on his left hand, Padiah and Mishael and Malkiah and Hashem and Hashem, Dana and Zechariah and uh, Meshulam. And so that they made the pulpit for the purpose of Ezra declaring God's word. Well, now we're going to see why they made this thing for him to stand upon. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 5 and Ezra opened the book in sight of all the people well that's what they were there to hear they were there to hear the law of Moses and so he opened the book before their eyes for he was above all the people just as Jesus went to the mount to be above all the multitude and when he had opened it all the people what stood up what reference they showed for the Lord for the word of God 
Just as Jesus went to the mountain, Ezra stood on the pulpit to elevate himself for viewing, but it was not for reputation. Too many times we can see how on, on TV evangelism, they want to be elevated up by the people. Notice the reverence of the people for that word of God, they stood up. And then you go back and think they stood up for those, that entire, I assume for that entire breed. And so they stood there for almost six hours listening to the word of God being proclaimed and they were what? Attentive. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 6 and Ezra blessed the Lord the great God and all the people answered amen amen with lifting up their hands and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground and so first they had that reverence and now what are they showing they're showing their humility showing their humility to the Lord God in Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 7 again I'm going to do my best and Jeshua and Bani and Sherebiah and Jamin and Akub and Shep, Bethlehem, Hodijai, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Jozabad, Canaan, and Kelia. And the Levites caused the people to what? Understand the law, and the people stood in their place. And so now we're seeing Ezra is receiving help. In teaching the word of God that was just proclaimed, was Peter alone on the day of Pentecost? No, he had the other 11 apostles to help him preach and teach the word of God to those that were in attendance on that day as well. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8. So they read in the book and the law distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And so you want a definition for a preacher or teacher of the gospel? There it is right there. Because that is the job when we stand behind the podium of a Bible class teacher or a gospel preacher is to read it, to explain it, and for what? The people to have an understanding of it. If, if what we're saying, if, if there's not a clear understanding, then we have not done our, our job in a manner that they will have an understanding. What was the response of the people? <clears throat> Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 9 and Nehemiah which is the Tershada that, that just means he was the governor and Ezra the priest the scribe and the Levites that taught the people said unto all the people this day is holy unto the Lord your God mourn not nor we for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law the word of God made them what? mournful because they realized their great transgressions against their Lord God. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 13. And on the second day were gathered together. Well who was here this time? The chief of the fathers of all the people. The priests and the Levites on the Ezra the scribe. Even to understand what the words of the laws. And so even the wise and God's priests came for better understanding. They humbled themselves as well. They also desired to hear the word. We were, we were getting ready to have that gospel meeting in October. And, and I was talking uh, to someone about it. And they said, well, you really need to focus on the loss. And I'm like, yes, you do. But here we can see that there's going to be benefit found for the brethren as well. If we invite the brethren to come to our meeting. In Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 14. And they found 
written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month. And so, was it something new? It was there the whole time. They were just failing to observe it. And so they too received benefit from the word of God. When we come together as brethren, hopefully everyone receives something of good use uh, to bring glory to our Father in heaven. Remember, the word of God is alive, powerful, and sharp. The writer of the big book of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, For the Lord of God is quick, that means alive, and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. <clears throat> piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the jo joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Again, uh, English was not uh, uh, high on my, in my uh, schooling, so I, I went and looked up the word discerner. It comes from the Greek word kritikos, um, from the, also from 2923 and Strong's. It means decisive, critical, i.e., Discriminative discerner. That didn't really help me. So I went and looked up 2923. That comes from the Greek word kretes. That means judge. So now I can see that the word of God is a judge of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Well, that harmonizes with what Jesus told him in John chapter 12, verse 48. When he said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not words have one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken. <clears throat> The same shall judge him in the last day. And so we're going to be judged by the, the word, of, word of God. Uh, just as you read in Revelations, and the books were open. Whatever that. you were under the law of Moses, you were under the patriarchal age, or you're under the Christian age, you're going to be uh, judged by the books that you lived under. Thoughts and tents, intents, well, nothing is hidden from God. Romans chapter 2 verse 16 and in the day when God shall judge what the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel and so we can't think things uh, and think that those idle those main things that we think will not be uh, judged by us we can't do anything in secret a lot of times we say well nobody saw us but God always sees us the word of God will also equip us. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 17, that the man of God may be perfectly, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It's by the, the, that's right after it says where all scripture is given by inspiration by God, it's God breathed. And so that, that all scripture is to furnish us, equip us, so that we may be doing good works. The word of God saves. For the unbeliever, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. The power is not in us. The power is in the, the word of God. For the faltering Christian, in James chapter 1, verse 21, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness what? The engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, 
He tells Timothy, preach the word, be instant in season, preach it when they want to hear it, out of season when they don't want to hear it. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Well, I looked up these words because I've always heard different things about the re word reprove there, but it comes from the Greek word el inco, of uncertain, affinity, confute, admonish, convict, convince, tell a fault, rebuke, reprove. You use the word of God to convince people of their error. The word of God convinces or persuades. We use it to help people get a better understanding. Remember what, what Paul did when he was on his, uh, his missionary journeys. In Acts chapter 19, verse 8, And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Well, what was he, what was he doing that out of? He was doing it out of the law of Moses and the prophets. He was trying to persuade them that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. The word rebuke there comes from the Greek word ep epithema meho. It tacks upon, censored, or admonished by implication, forbid, charge, rebuke. And so the word of God, what? It chastises us. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 and 6. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. And so when we preach the word of God, sometimes it's going to hurt. Because the word of God is going to chasten us when we are chastised us when we are not living according to his, his will. That word exhort there comes from the uh, Greek word parakelelo. I know I messed that one up. The word of God is to be a comforter. That word exhort, uh, again, it means to call near, invite, invoke by imploration, hortation, or consolation, beseech, call for, be of good comfort, desire, give. Exhort, exhortation, entreat, or pray. The word of God is a comforter. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, four verse 18, when they were worried that about their loved ones that had passed, what did Paul say? Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. When we know that a brethren has passed away, but they were a Christian, a faithful Christian in the Lord, we can be comforted with the word of God knowing that they're in a better place. The word of God is an edifier. In Acts chapter 20 verse 32, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is what? Able to build you up. Well, this is when he's talking to the elders there of Ephesus. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they were told to what? Feed the flock. Or they to the feed them the word of his grace. Well, why? Because it's able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. That's our end result. We want to receive. Remember, he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so we want to receive that reward. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into the mountain, and when he was set, what? His disciples came unto him. The disciples of Christ came to hear what was being spoken or taught. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 2, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, 
They were to hear, they were there to hear the word of God. Some of it would comfort them, some of it would chasten them. However, everything Jesus spoke was to convince them that God could save them and equip them with the knowledge to receive his salvation. When we hear the word of God, if it makes us angry, if it makes us sad, if it makes us joyful, it is working in us. It is when we are indifferent to it that our hearts are not right and we are not allowing the word of God to work in us. We are not no longer being led by the Spirit. And so if there's any here this morning that are not a Christian, we invite you to become one. It's the same gospel that's been uh, given God's invitation is being given for almost 2,000 years. It starts by hearing the word of God, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And then you believe and confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart, and God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth on the righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then you must repent and be baptized for remission of sins, Acts 2.38. And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. At that time, you're added to the Lord's church, Acts 2.47, praising God and having faith with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be, such as should be saved. And then we must live faithful until the end. We must continue to walk uh, in the Word of God. We must be in the light. And so that Revelation 2.10, if we do such, uh, Jesus has promised to give us a crown of life. Revelation 2.10. Fear none of those things which ye shall suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you in prison that ye may be tried. And ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful until death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Perhaps you have obeyed the gospel, but perhaps you have allowed the world to come back to you in your life and you have not lived as faithfully as you would want to. Well, if you need the prayers of the church to be restored to time, we can, if we can assist you in either way, we'll come in front and together we sing the song of encouragement.